Fluency is a goal for all readers. Fluency meaning speed, accuracy, and their expression is all strong. This is such an important literacy skill for students to develop, and when your students become fluent readers, they will get even more understanding from each and every single page that they read. Not only that, but reading becomes more enjoyable for them too. Your read aloud can support this, and today we are diving in to how to use your read aloud to improve student fluency. So if you are interested in this topic and you are ready to use your read alouds to improve student fluency, I will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. Thank you so much to those of you who are leaving ratings and reviews for this show. It really helps other teachers to find this podcast, and it gives them a glimpse of what they can expect if they were to click an episode and tune in with me. If you have not left one yet, I would be so excited to read your review. Your support means so much to me. Now, last week, we just heard an amazing guest episode from one of my friends, Eileen Clausen, and that was all about reading fluency. Be sure to check out my last episode, the one right before this one, so that you can be able to listen to that incredible episode. She is a wealth of knowledge, and she shared so many incredible, actionable steps that you can be able to take to grow your readers and to make them more fluent. But after that episode, it instantly got me thinking about ways to give students even more opportunities to strengthen their fluency And that is by way of something that you're already doing using a read aloud. Now, read alouds are purposeful and so much learning comes from them. And I want to clarify that a read aloud is different than a book that you're just pulling off the shelf and reading aloud to your students for pure enjoyment with no strings, no educational standards attached. And that should happen too. You really should pull books and just read them to enjoy them with your students. But the read aloud. Your read alouds are to specifically be chosen and they are selected based on a reading skill or strategy that you can model within that text. Read alouds are the perfect place for students to hear how text should be read and to hear different ways in which it can sound. Now, our goal is for students to follow suit and read like they are talking to a friend, and when students are able to read without stumbling over their words, and when they can finally master reading with appropriate tone, appropriate intonation, and they're giving you that expression that you are just dying and waiting to hear, I can tell you that two things will definitely happen. Their comprehension is going to increase and improve, and they will enjoy the art of reading even more. Who doesn't want that? 
I know I did, and I know that you probably do too. It is proven that reading aloud to students is one of the most effective ways to improve fluency, and it honestly is one of the easiest. You only need a few things. You need yourself, you need a few good books, and you need your students' attention. That's it. And once you have that, you are ready to try a few strategies. So let's dive into it. When it comes to using your read aloud to improve fluency, the first thing that you can do is be an excellent model. Not just model for your students, but be an excellent model. This means that you are going to start really becoming your students and becoming more so the students that you want your students to become. So when I say this, this means that when you're reading aloud to your students, be sure to model the reading process. And that looks a lot of different ways. One, you can use proper expression and pronunciation of words whenever they're coming within your book. As they see that you value that, they're going to start learning that that's something that they should value too. But what do you do when there is work that has to be done? When you're not sure how to even pronounce that word that you just got to in that sentence? That is where you can start teaching them processes and practices that they can do themselves when they get into that situation. Because let's be honest, they are going to be in that situation. They are not going to know every single word or how to pronounce every single word in the books that they read. So there's different things that you can do. You could use the Google site so that they could be able to click and hear how Google pronounces that word. Or you can teach them, well, I need to look in a dictionary. Because the dictionary, whether it's handheld or whether it's online, is going to help me with pronouncing that word. It's going to break apart that word, and I'm going to see how each syllable should sound. And again, if you're online, they will typically have it to where someone can say it and they can be able to hear it. But the dictionary breaks it apart by syllable, and they can start learning all of the tools that they can use to get the pronunciation of those words. Also, you becoming an excellent model will also mean that you have to pay attention to punctuation and not just the punctuation, but the rules that are associated with them. So let's start simple with an exclamation mark. Well, we know that that means excitement. So when you're reading that, you're going to match the appropriate sounds and the appropriate expression that you would see with an exclamation mark. And the same thing for a question mark. Your voice might go up. It's going to be a little bit more of a question with it, and you're looking for a response, let's say, to come after that question. But also, there's different punctuations like commas, ellipsis. There's a period where they want you to either pause or fully stop. And so whenever they can see the punctuation and they can hear what you do with that punctuation, that's where the true learning happens by way of this read aloud. But that's not it. You also can show your students how to pay attention to how text is actually written. And what that means is showing them the pages while you're reading along. Maybe there's words that are in italic. They're italicized. Or maybe they're bold. Or maybe the book actually has big or really small fonts, which is going to tell you that your voice should be bigger. Or maybe your voice has to get smaller. So whenever we can pay attention to how text is written, you can be able to show your students what they're expected to do 
why the author wrote them that way, and that's because they're wanting the book to come alive by way of how they wrote those words. So when you're showing them and paying close attention to it and talking about, oh, I see that's a bold word. That's something that the author really wants me to remember. Or, oh, that's italicized. I need to read that a little bit differently. Oh, that's a big word. I need to put a lot of emphasis with it. Or, oh, that's a small word. So maybe the text gets smaller here. When you can start thinking aloud and actually modeling your voice to match it, your students are going to know that they can do that too. But here's the last thing that I want to talk about with this section, and that's when word solving or whenever you're reading a different sentence pattern, thinking aloud is going to be your best friend when it comes to your read aloud. Saying, I just solved some pretty tricky words, or that sentence was not really familiar for me. I have not seen that structure before. So I'm going to reread that again. Rereading text is one of the most important things that we can have our readers do. Because if they're doing the work and they're trying to solve the text or figure out how that sentence looks and it's unfamiliar, it's going to slow them down. But once they get familiar with it and they've solved that word and they've tackled what that sentence is, we want to offer to them that now that you've done the work, let's go back and read it again so that we can read like we're talking to a friend. So if you can embed places for intentional rereads, Now, I know you know how to read it, but your students aren't going to know how to read it. So you can find places in your book where you're going to have a little extra work that you have to do, and then you're going to go back and say, now that I've solved it, I want to go back and reread it so that it can sound the way that I know the author wrote it and wants me to read it. This practice also is going to work really well for you in guided reading As a small group reminder, I know we're talking about read-alouds, but that is an excellent place because you have less kids with you. That time is more intentional as well, and you can be able to model that if your students get stuck or if you want them to reread it faster, you can be able to recall what you did in read-aloud. It's just something that I always want to remember is that I know that students are constantly watching, listening, and following me. And your students are constantly watching, listening, and following you. So what you do and what you say really do matter. They're going to pick up on your cues and they're going to transfer them to their own reading as much as possible. So modeling and being an excellent model is really, really needed during this read aloud time. The next thing that you can do is pause to think aloud. Now, a big part of fluency is connected to comprehension. We want to make sure that we are creating strong readers, not excellent word recallers. There is a big difference between the two. One of them can just read words on the page. The other can read words but also find the meaning connected to those words. We know that in order to really, really be strong with comprehension, we have to do a lot of thinking. There's going to be challenges and concepts and questions that students have while they are actually reading. And so it's important for us to encourage them to stop so they can have that processing time to be able to strengthen their knowledge. And so that is going to be something that we have to do so that they can know that it's okay to stop during reading because a big part of being fluent is also building our comprehension. So when you take the time to stop, a few things are going to happen. 
You are showing your students that it is okay to stop and ask questions about the text. It's okay to stop and problem solve. That's what we do as a reader. You are also showing your students that this is a time to use context clues and to learn new vocabulary. Because a few episodes ago, we talked about context clues, and that takes some processing time. We have to stop when we don't know what a word means, and that's going to kind of pause our fluent reading. So we have to understand that, like, yes, this is a time that's needed, but I can still go back and be fluent while doing this work. But whenever you're pausing to think aloud or take the time needed to process something, you are showing your students that it's necessary to stop and think about topics that are a bit more complex. And that's a lot of topics. Our kids don't know everything. I don't know everything. So when we can let them know that if topics are a bit more complex, you can stop, we do that so that deeper understandings can occur. And then we can store that in our background knowledge We can store that in our schema and pull it out when we get faced with another topic later on. But ultimately, this all connects to overall fluency. So pausing is actually a strategy that kids don't see often because we want them to read completely through it. But this is going to help them tremendously. Remember that everything they see us do, they will be given the permission to do in return. Number three, reading skill focus. I love using a read aloud for this, and this is also going to be tied in with making our students fluent readers. There are some reading skills that specifically improve fluency. So focusing on something like text features, which are in nonfiction books, that's major. When kids are familiar with how text features work, it's going to help their fluency versus hindering it. They are not going to have to struggle every single time that they see a text feature with trying to figure out what that diagram is there for. Why is that chart included? Why does this author keep making bold words everywhere? They won't struggle the future times that they see it because they're going to know how it works. They're going to know why it's there and it's going to help move their fluency along versus stopping it in the moment. Maybe it's a focus on word patterns or vowel teams. Once kids know them and see them, they won't have to stop to do the work while reading, and they're going to be able to better achieve fluency at a faster rate. So whenever you can point that vowel team out or point that word pattern out in your read aloud, that's just another moment of exposure that your kids have with that skill, and then they can be able to use that for future, and it's going to help their fluency. Read alouds, especially ones that your students already know and the ones that your students already love, and you should easily be able to identify those, those become great tools for practicing critical reading skills, and that's going to improve fluency. You can also choose specific texts that lend themselves well to, let's go back to the examples, text features or vowel pairs or word patterns. You can find specific books so that you can have those teaching points already in your read aloud to show them. We don't have to stop here. I know that when I see that, it says this. Let's read it quickly together. And you can do it together and move through the text. Ultimately, when students have exposure and they can begin pointing out when they see whatever skill it is in the read aloud, it becomes less of a surprise when those same types of skills occur in their own reading. 
So that's the kind of experiences we want to provide for students so that they can be safe with us because we are with that read aloud. And that's going to prompt them to do those same types of strategies and skills on their own. So use your read aloud to point out these reading skills so that kids can recall the moment with you and apply the skill to find the same success on their own. That is also going to boost their confidence, which I know is a huge piece into promoting fluency. So that is the type of routine that you can do when it comes to reading skills or reading strategies when connected with your read aloud. Another thing that you might want to try or keep in mind or consider would be partner pairs and doing a little bit of role reversal where you're not the one that's always in control of that read aloud. Anytime that you can pair two students together, that is going to become a super powerful duo. The best book options for this type of partner work is going to be having students read aloud a book that might be from their favorite series, maybe something that you just read, or it could be a past guided reading book. So those are going to be the types that I've experienced and have explored with, and so that's what I would offer and recommend to you as well. Now, if it's a text that they truly love, or it's one that they've had experience with already dissecting and doing all that hard work already, then the focus can truly become solely on fluency. It is not a new text. It is not a fresh read. They've heard it. They know what's happening, and they can focus on fluency of getting through the words on the pages. When students can read aloud fluently themselves, they are going to take what they have learned and they're going to apply it to their own quiet, independent reading time. So it comes down now that reading to an audience is important. Even if that audience is just one other person and that is going to be their partner. That partnership or that small audience is going to give the proper practice of fluency that our students really, really do need. They are going to have to engage the person or the people who are listening to them in return. So this partnership is going to take the focus off of you being the model. And in this time, the roles are going to reverse and your students are now going to be given the lead to be the teacher or the person in charge of reading fluently to their audience. It is so much fun and kids really do get excited when they can read or do something with another classmate of theirs. And so you are now having the opportunity to walk around, you can sit and listen in, you can stand afar a little bit so that you can hear but you're not right on those partnership groups and you can watch them start developing all of the things that you've taught them putting it into action, practicing it with a friend, and you can definitely intervene as you feel it's needed. But ultimately, I would just let them do it. Let them do it. You watch over them and you can be able to know what you need to do in your modeling for the next time. The final idea that I want to offer you today is to perform your read aloud. Now, a really fun and engaging way to improve reading fluency is through performances. Now, we touched on Reader's Theater a bit in the last episode when I was talking with Eileen, but the same concept can apply here too. With your read aloud, you can adapt your script from a favorite read aloud that you've already read, and you can give that to your readers as a way to bring that story to life in your classroom. To do that, 
You'll have to pull the quotes between the characters to create that script. It does take a little bit of work, but think about the benefits that it's going to bring to your students. And once you do it once, it's done. Everything that is not a quote or not coming from a character can be left over, and those are perfect lines for your narrators. Now, before you start thinking like, I don't have time to do that, I am not saying to do the whole entire read aloud book. You can focus on a certain scene for just a few students. Maybe you do want to go through the whole book and you want to put students in small groups of three or four and you want to split that book up into four or five different parts. Then a few students only have to focus on a certain scene or a certain part of the story. And that's going to make it more manageable. It's going to become shorter. It's going to be engaging for kids. And if students are nervous or shy, it's not going to be overwhelming for them. If kids truly do struggle with the actual reading of words, they're going to have better success with building their confidence because the script that you give them of that scene is going to be shorter, it's going to be a short snippet, and the story's already familiar. And guess what? You are writing the script. You can even change up some of the ways that the sentences are structured so that you can make your students successful. When they read it, their confidence is going to grow, and that's going to be super exciting for them as well. Now, in my experience, I have found that fairy tales work really, really great for this, so that's going to introduce another genre of reading that you might not really touch on a whole lot in the school year, but dramas and plays, obviously, can be incorporated, and that's going to be another genre that's not heavily focused upon, but that's going to be a great time where you can be able to discuss the different elements that are found within those genres. Many kids are actually tested on different types of genres outside of fiction and nonfiction as well. So any opportunity where I can bring in a different genre like fairy tales, poetry, or drama, that's going to be really powerful because it will prepare them for a test that they might see at the end of the year. Now, if there is no script available, you can still let kids practice reading the actual pages of the book or certain paragraphs, and they can become, what I like to always tell them was what they are, they can become a storyteller. This is honestly the one time that I condone and really, really enjoy popcorn reading or choral reading because it truly can help your kids with fluency. You can make this engaging by reading the text and then letting different kids read the next one or two sentences fluently, and then all of the kids are involved. So I would start, and then maybe the person next to me would read a sentence or two, and then the next person would read a sentence or two. They're only responsible for a couple of sentences, but their focus is on reading it like they are talking to a friend. If there happens to be an expressive line, like the book that you're reading, all of your kids are involved, there's this one line that lends itself so perfectly, so beautifully to what it is that you want your kids to read like, then all kids can read it together two to three times to get the fluency and to get the expression that you desire from them. They are reading it together. Then after that, you could call on two or three kids to quickly read it on their own right after the group did it together. Kids love it and they constantly want to share. And that right there is one more level of confidence because they're eager to share, they're eager to try and do something new 
and they're doing a skill that really isn't secondhand nature to them. And so I love those opportunities and to see how excited kids get. I am so glad that Eileen came on last week to chat all things fluency because it really got my wheels turning. And I hope you will start using your own read-alouds to promote fluency with your kiddos as soon as tomorrow. If you are in school a few days this week, I do know that it is Thanksgiving break that is among us. So this is a great time, honestly, to experiment. If this is something that's very, very new for you, try some of these ideas. If you are one of the lucky teachers who has the complete whole five days off and you are not in school this week, save these ideas for next week when you reunite with your students. I would love to hear how you are promoting fluency with your students, and I would especially love to hear from you if you use any of these tips that I've shared today with your students in class. Send me a message over on Instagram. Let me know what you tried, how your students responded to it. I would love to hear it. I am looking forward to diving into literacy with you next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.